Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unfolding Sharp Corners, a podcast creating a community space to discuss all the taboo topics we're told not to talk about. I'm Barthi Rupani, and this is my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Sherry Arathachin. And in each episode, we'll be unfolding a sharp taboo topic, exploring a variety of perspectives, and finding a new relationship to it. All right, let's get started. Hey, y'all. Hey, Barthi. Hey, Margie. Hi, Barthi. Hi, Sherry. Um, So today we have our guest, Margie Serrato, with us. Did I pronounce that correctly? Oh, good. Thank goodness. (laughs) Um, And she's here to continue our conversation on motherhood. Um, So, Sherry, whoops. So, Margie, (laughs) I was going to ask you, Sherry, to introduce yourself. Um, so Margie, tell us who you are and the topic that you'll be talking about today. Okay. Well, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me as a guest on your podcast. This is very exciting. Um, love the idea of unfolding sharp corners and talking about the things that we don't talk about, um, either because we're ashamed of it or because we've been told not to talk about it or because we didn't know that we could talk about it. Um, so I love the idea of it and I'm very, very excited to be a part of, of the podcast and, uh, see introduction. Um, I suppose the, the simplest, shortest way to introduce myself is to say that, um, I am an anthropologist by trade. I'm a cultural anthropologist. Um, I basically have spent 25 plus years of my life uh, doing research on women in non-traditional contexts, which pretty much uh, what you can get from that is by definition, I, as a person, am a total Mm -hmm. non-conformist. I am a non-conformist. That's just how I've always been. And not for any not for any reason, like, you know, being stubborn or Mm -hmm. wanting to prove differently. I'm a non-conformist simply by being me. And it's in our society, you know, even though we're told to be ourselves and we're all told to be individuals and to be told to be unique, like all the books that I'm reading to my two little children right now, they all say these things. And yet we, we so easily and quickly get conditioned to be everything except for who we are. And me by choosing myself am by, by definition, uh, an unconformist. Um, and I always struggled with that um, and pretty much set out to, to pursue an understanding of, of the why. why. Why is it not okay to be me? Why do we have such struggles, um, you know, allowing people to be who they are? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I did my, my, my long work in anthropology and uh, it's all about the macro, the cultural aspects of gender. And um, then fell into coaching, yeah. which is all about the internal aspect. And it, it integrated everything about who I am and everything that I've done with my life. And now I get to put these beautiful things and skills and, and knowledge and, you know, and expertise and experiences together, uh, not just to help myself, but to help others to navigate that territory. So yeah, um, that's basically who I am. And in terms of the topic, motherhood, I mean, we know that parenthood doesn't come with a, with a life doesn't come with a guide Um, (laughs) and uh, navigating that territory of 
being a parent, being responsible for little humans Mm -hmm. who are the future of our world Mm -hmm. is a scary responsibility, especially when, you know, you don't feel like you you're quite an adult just yet. And it doesn't matter what age you are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're still human going through your human experience as you're raising kids. And then you're raising kids and it's like, who gave me, who told me this was okay to do? Like, I'm not ready for this, but here I do. I am. I have a child or two or three or four, however many, and it doesn't matter how many you have. You just never, you never feel like you're prepared and you're always concerned about how am I going to screw this kid up? Yeah. I mean, that's certainly how it is for me. Um, and just being constantly hyper aware of I'm doing my best. And yet, what are all the things that I'm not doing that may affect them or that I am doing that may affect them differently that I think they're going to? And just trying to manage all of that at once mm-hmm. um, is, is, is bad enough without other life stressors, like the loss of a job, like uh, relationship issues, like a pandemic. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that little so that's thing. really where, yeah, that little, that small little <laughs> thing, um, which obviously has ripple effects in relationships, in yeah. career, and also in parenthood. Yeah, yeah. And what's sharp about this topic about being a parent and during the pandemic? Um, I would say, for me, as it is for many other women, you know, there's definitely some systemic issues that, you know, we can, we can certainly talk about for days <laughs> in terms of, you know, who, who the caregiving falls primarily on, right? Yeah. Who has, whose career gets sacrificed and the why, and so much of the why is, is a basic, simple mathematical, you know, mm-hmm. equation which is who earns the least. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's definitely some, some hard systemic issues that we, you know, we, we have to confront and we have, we have to fix, we have to, we yeah. have to change in our society. Um, but in addition to that, the fact that it is what it is right now, um, the pandemic has caused us to kind of have to negotiate as women what it is that we can have for ourselves, especially right now. And maybe yes. even for the future, right? Because this is, this isn't just like, oh, okay, during the pandemic, but then when the pandemic is, is over, it'll be back to normal. It's not. It's not. Everything has been disrupted. Mm-hmm. Our careers have been disrupted. Our domestic lives have been disrupted. How we parent has been disrupted. What we think about school and, and what, what, you know, everything, every, all of the different paradigms that we accepted as true and as being a certain way have been shifted. Mm-hmm. And, and among those things that has been shifted is what do I want for myself? What's the kind of parent that I want to be? Mm-hmm. What is really important to me that I want to pass on to my kids? Yeah. And basically reassessing, reassessing what what that means and and how to go about it yeah I love those this oh um, (laughs) I I just I was just gonna make a really quick comment and then I'll give it over to you Sherry um 
I love this. I, um, what you're bringing into this, that every single thing for mothers has been disrupted. We, Sherry and I have talked about this multiple times on the podcast. The last jobs report, 176,000 women lost their jobs. And prior to that, we don't even like, I, I don't know the numbers, but 156 is a lot. 156,000 mm-hmm. is a lot of women um, in a quarter to lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. So everything has been disrupted for mothers. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, over to you, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I wanted to uh, get curious about your own experience of like, as the pandemic was arriving, now we're almost exactly a year later, you know, mm-hmm. what was the moment of maybe breakdown and then and then a breakthrough or, or the moment that you're like, I can't do this. This has to shift. Something has to change. Um, Maybe walk us through that journey for you. Absolutely. Um, I would say (laughs) breakdowns are pretty regular. (laughs) (laughs) I am not ashamed to say that because the thing is, you know, uh, um, I will say that my experiences with the pandemic was, it was not as hard as it was for most people. And I will say it because of, of this. I um I have a, a very tumultuous past history um, and just experiences where I I had to be adaptable and so honestly the pandemic came and I'm like yeah I'm good uh, I I know I know we can I can work with this too um, so in that regard that was very different when it became hard was that okay um, I'm gonna take my kids out of school that's obviously the safest for me the safest choice. Um, I can, you know, I can follow, you know, whatever the schools, you know, were assigning for to, you know, to my, to my, um, at then five-year-old daughter who was already in kindergarten and, you know, I can do all the work with her and no big deal. I just, and so like the first months it was fine. I was, I was just, you know, kind of like, we we were just working with whatever we got, you know, every day and, and every day was a little bit different. Um, and even like looking at, I guess one of the things that was hard for me was realizing I knew in a way that sending my child, because I know her and I know her abilities um, and her skills, I knew that public school was not necessarily the best choice, but we did it anyways, because we had conversations with the school teachers, the psychologists, and they said, oh yeah, that she would get the support that she needs and if she excels. Um, she was excelling and she wasn't getting the support that she needed. So I felt at that point, like looking at the kind of homework that she was doing, which was so much busy work, I kind of felt like I was letting her down. Like I wasn't, I wasn't doing the best that I could as a mom by continuing to send her to public school um, where she's going simply didn't have the kind of right, the, the, the support that she needed as a child. And so it's like, what's the best that I can give her? you know what, right now, given the situation, the best that I can give her is going to be to teach her myself and to not use a school curriculum to find a better option for her. That's going to allow her to flourish. That's going to allow her to, you know, she's very self-directed to, to just go in her knowledge, however far she is able to and wants to go. Um, not to put limits on her because of school or because of what I know or don't know, but just kind of figure it out and, and, and allow her 
to be and to be as, as much and to go as far as she can go. So that part was fine. That seemed like really like, okay, well, let me look into homeschooling. What's this like? And I thought, wow, this is way different than I thought it was. Um, homeschooling, first of all, like I, my hats off to homeschooling moms, because I will tell yeah. you definitely, even before the pandemic, I was like, I can't do that. I'm glad other people can do that for their kids. I don't have the patience. I don't have the yeah. early childhood education, like background. Um, and so this is not for me. Like I, I had my career and mm-hmm. somebody else is going to take care of the education because that's their specialty. And I, that's how we're going to work. Well, now this is different. Now I have, you know, looked into this myself and I thought, okay, I'm, I got a PhD. Surely I'm smart enough to at least figure this one out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was my, my thought. And I was like, you know, I said, I couldn't be a, a homeschooler, but oh, I can do this. I can, I can figure this out. Um, figuring out like the curriculum or what I did or didn't want to do with my child or how they could work. That was easy. The hard part was um, just recognizing that I love my children tremendously. But one of the things that the pandemic took from many of us was that social and intellectual stimulation with other adults. And it doesn't matter how much I love my children. They're not going to provide that right now at their age. And the stress of isolation and the stress of homeschooling when that's not really what I wanted to do, even though I, I, I was like, I'm, I can work with this. Ultimately, it, it takes its toll. The stress of not being able to contribute financially to our household the way that I had set you know goals for myself last year and for this year too. Um, the fact that I wasn't going to be able to put the effort I wanted into my coaching practice to make it flourish. I was getting really frustrated and angry at, at the situation. It wasn't at the kids, but nevertheless, frust- you know, anger at the circumstances nevertheless has effects in your relationships, in, in sure. how you're being, in how you feel, um, in what you don't want to do when that resistance to the things that you are now having to take on, even though that's not what you wanted and unfortunately, part of that is like, it was this kind of uneasy and like growing feeling like, it's not that I regret having kids. That's not what it is at all. But it feels like that for some reason. It feels like, you know, like when I, I mentioned this to, um, you know, to somebody in the family, they're like, oh, but you know, you should be grateful. You know, mm-hmm. then the kids get to be with their mom and who better to be with than their own mother. And yeah, I, I get that. I get what they were, I get what they were saying. Right. But it, then it, it turned into this, like, I should be grateful. Why am I, why am I not grateful mm-hmm. about so this? Right. Guilt seeps in. <laughs> the guilt, the yeah. guilt seeps in. Like there was already something like uncomfortable about this, but, but now it's like, oh, then somebody else that is, it's almost like it makes it true. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if, if it wasn't. And um, navigating that, you know, kind of the external expectations or let's say judgment or even best intentions um, and thinking, well, yes, it, it is good that the kids 
are, are with me. And it's good that they're safe from, you know, uh, you know, viral spread right now because they are home with me. Why does, why does it still not feel okay? And why is it not okay for me to not feel okay? That was hard because I can think of all of the different reasons why this pandemic has been hard for me. And yet all of that is not supposed to be okay because, well, but I could, I should be grateful. Right. And we, we get told that this is something yeah, so that invalidating. It is. It's very invalidating. And that's like something that, um, you know, one of those experiences that I have um, is miscarriages. I've, I experienced, I had three miscarriages before I had my daughter and I had an additional one before I had my son. And people, because we don't know how to deal with grief and don't know how to talk about grief. We also don't know how to support people during grief. Yeah. Yep. And so like, you know, with miscarriage as an example, you know, after you have your, your first like live child, um, it's so easy for people to say like, you should be grateful you have one or two or four or however many you have. And it's like, that doesn't mean I'm not grateful. It means it's I'm exactly. grieving for the child that I lost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a similar situation here is like having kids and, and being grateful for being a mom and for having wonderful children. Does that mean that I don't get to grieve for what I've lost as a result of this pandemic? Mm-hmm. And it's okay for me to feel those feelings of grief. And yeah. Loss. Yeah. How did you get there? You know, from this, the grief or the feeling of like, why is it not okay to be not okay and and moving to you know out of that or away from that even i will say that one, there? that the one thing that was um particularly important for me was there was a lot of pressure on myself that i was putting on of what i where i thought i would be at this point in time in my in my in my coaching practice especially like I finished my certification, my training and everything, my accreditations last beginning of last year, right before the pandemic is when I finished my training. And I had these high expectations of myself um, and just realizing like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this because I have to do this um, because I have to do mothering because I have to do homeschooling um, was really, I was being really hard on myself and putting a lot of, of self-judgment really about all the things that I wasn't accomplishing. So there's definitely a lot for me that was internalized. Um, I know too, um, it required practice in something that's very, very new to me, which is self-compassion. Tell us about that. So, you know, self-love and self-compassion, um, when we hear it, we, we have a sense of like what it means, but actually practicing it is really hard. Um, we are raised to be very either pleasing of others or critical of ourselves or both. Um, we learn to validate ourselves and our self-worth through pleasing others, through how 
others see us and not really how we see ourselves. We don't learn that. And, and I, I, I have this sense, like a lot of us don't learn that ever. And a lot of us don't learn that until it, we're, we're much older. And so this is no territory for me of what does it mean? Like, and, and I will tell you, it was literally as recently as last year. What is self-love to me? What does that mean? Um, and, and I just, honestly, it felt like a foreign language. Mm-hmm. It felt like this completely new territory that I've never been into. And, and I just didn't know how to figure out because my self-worth was always dictated by somebody else's mm-hmm. love of me, which was conditional. Right. It was always condition, conditional upon, you know, whether... Uh, I was doing something for them or whether, you know, I was performing in some mm-hmm. way, like academically, that was, that was how I gained my, my sense of self and self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been very smart. I've always been very ambitious and to be in a place where I, I am ambitious, but I, I can't show that right now because I don't have the time to do what I want or the resources right now to do what I want or what I'm, capable of and and like now I remember nonconformity now I'm supposed to show this through motherhood and that's not what I signed up for this is like I don't even understand how to do that like how am I supposed to like reframe who I am by focusing on motherhood when that's not what I set out to do so I, I have no plan for that this is completely new so part of it has that's been where you are now yeah that's where I am now it's part wow. part of it is like navigating like okay I had an idea of, of, of what I wanted not to do as a mom and right now part of what I'm learning is who do I want to be as a mom that is outside of the boundaries of circumstances that is outside of the boundaries of whether I have a job or not whether I'm bringing income in or not whether I have a house or not um a relationship or not, like any number of things, like, and I guess part of what I've been learning in in the past few months, which is as much about motherhood as it is about self-love and self-compassion, is when I'm having the very difficult kind of like conversations with myself about where I should be or what I could be doing or like any number of things. If I think about it in terms of me, I'm very judgmental and I get, re- I'm, I'm very, very frustrated and angry and hard. But if I pose that same question to, what would I tell my daughter? Yeah. It's a complete immediate shift of like, wow, I would not yeah. tell my daughter the things that I'm telling myself. Yeah. Isn't it wild how that works? We're so hard on ourselves, but if it was a friend or if it was your child, it's a totally different response, totally different feeling. And it's because we've learned to be compassionate towards others Mm -hmm. so much more than we've learned to be compassionate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of that, and we could, we'll have to have you come back just to talk from an anthropology standpoint, like how much of that is conditioning, um, social mm-hmm. conditioning. Um, 
I love where you're at right now because you're still unraveling that for yourself. But like, what is the one or, or multiple pieces of advice or actions that any listener can take today to start unraveling that for themselves? Like really, mm-hmm. truly being self-compassionate for themselves, really self having some self-love, um, especially for our mothers that are listening in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, I would, I would definitely suggest practicing asking that question or putting that whatever context they're going through um, when it comes to their children. Mm-hmm. Um, in this whole self love and self compassion aspect, and what I set out to do of like being a better person, being kind, and being a, a good mom, and what that means to me. Uh, which was honestly super important for me um, in my childhood that I didn't have was allowing, I was never allowed to be who, who I was, but I, I, I was anyways. It, and it was hard and it was a challenge. Yeah. But it shouldn't have been that way. And so as I look at my daughter, my daughter, especially because she's just a, a huge reflection of, of me in her personality and everything. Oh, wow. And I, and I look at her and I go and I think she is the super intelligent, creative thinker, energized, rambunctious, um, fearless and extroverted person that I was at her age. And it automatically brings up these all the things that I was told not to be. Mm-hmm. And how I didn't need to brag about myself and all of the unfortunate um, abuse that I, that I, it, it was basically, oh, we're going to teach you how to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conformity. Humble. Uh, yes. And how to conform. Mm-hmm. And so is that when I look at her, I go, this is my opportunity to do different. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do differently here? What would I have wanted to give myself? Right. So it's kind of healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's triggering, but it's also an opportunity to heal mm-hmm. and, and, and reflect on what is the best that I can do for this child? Because it's, it's also in a way, the best that I can give myself right now. Oh, wow. I love that. So it's like this mothering of yourself while also mothering your child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say that um, the things that she expresses that are like me, I, I think, what were the things that I was told not to be? And how can I, so this is kind of the other side. How can I help her be more of who she is? Oh, yes. And the biggest, the biggest thing is like, number one, don't stop her from being who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Work with it, figure, mm-hmm. be creative, figure mm-hmm. out how to work with it. And number two, actively teach her to learn, to, to love those parts of her, mm-hmm. because that's what we don't have as adults is that love for ourselves. And, and that's, that's why it's new territory. And that's why it's so foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this like really unfortunate association of self-love and people who like value themselves and people who brag about themselves as being narcissism. Mm. And I feel like that narcissism is very different. Yeah, narcissism (laughs) is very different. Yeah. And I feel like when we say that about people who are like confident in themselves, we're projecting Mm -hmm. our our own insecurities and our Mm -hmm. own unlove 
onto those. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. There's so many, I will definitely have to bring you back because there's so many things, like, I have like questions like firing off in my head. Like there was something you said earlier, like um, about, of course, now I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. But like, there's so many, there's so many different themes emerging here that have to really do with um, a allowing yourself to be who you are and then be loving yourself really like with no judgment, fully loving yourself. Mm. Yeah. And, and I would, and I would say that, um, in that practice of loving ourselves, which, which I get, and again, it's, it's hard because it's new territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but as, as moms, as parents, that's part of our opportunity to do better for our kids mm-hmm. is to then help them to learn that for themselves at an early age, yeah. to help them to love themselves um, for everything that they are. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to change who they are for others. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you, like on a daily basis? Or mm-hmm. or maybe there's a particular incident or story um, around your own self-love and, and how that might also relate to your daughter seeing that and, and how it influences her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say <laughs> it's definitely a regular thing. Um, for For... An example, um, she something that she does uh, that is is very is very childlike that adults really don't like is their kids' ability to be honest and just say what's on their mind, and also to be curious and to ask a lot of questions and catch you with your inconsistencies. I think a lot of us. Um, grew up in those generations of do as I say, not as I do. And kids are freaking experts at pointing out when you are not doing what you're asking them to do, okay? Um, And the immediate response that we have is anger and frustration. Mm -hmm. It's it's towards them because they're the ones who are truth-telling, but it's really at the core of that, it's also that we're not in integrity, right? And it's also another part of this is that we don't allow kids to say the truth because it's not polite. We don't allow kids to say the truth because, well, I'm the adult and I know better. There, I mean, there are um, a bot, I mean, lots of different reasons why we want to tame the wildness of children uh, to conform, to be um, civilized members of society by conforming to the rules that adults have subscribed to and continue perpetuating. And I will tell you that because my, my gift has been authenticity and has been being true to myself, even though that was a challenge growing up, I know that I can, I can give that as a gift to my, my kids um, because both of them are very different. My son is very different than my daughter is. 
I can, I can teach them to embrace who they actually are. And I can teach myself in that process, even though it, it's challenging and it requires practice. I can teach myself to love them exactly as they are without wanting to change them. I love that. I also love the, uh, the wild, taming the wildness of children or, or that language of like, and also, you know, before we started recording, you'd mentioned like the wildness of your, the land around you and, and enjoying that and appreciating what that brings to, um, to nature and to your life. So uh, just seeing a parallel, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think there was another question here, Barthi? Yeah, um, my, my question is, um, you know, we've covered quite a bit, but is there something that we haven't touched on yet? It's a two-part question. One mm-hmm. is, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to share with everyone? Um, and the second part is, what's like the one one thing that you, if everyone could take away one thing, what's the thing? <laughs> okay. So I'll say the first part, um, something that we haven't touched, even though I've kind of hinted at it, um, but that's important to, to parenting um, and shame uh, and self-compassion and self-love is that when we have been um, victims of abuse um, and we want to do differently, we nevertheless have to, especially with children, if they're at that age where you were yourself abused or traumatized, um, all of that unhealed stuff will come up. And it's like your, your, your wounded inner child um, is the first one to show up before the parent, before the adult you, before the wiser you. And part of that process of self-love and self-compassion is, is, is understanding that sometimes all that shit is going to come out whether you want to or not. And the shame and and guilt that comes with, oh my gosh, I allowed that to happen. I let that monster within come out. Makes you feel like the most horrible person, whether you yelled at your kid, whether you spanked your kid, whether you grabbed your kid and Mm -hmm. pushed them aside, whatever, however that is expressed for you. Um, And it's hard. Mm -hmm. To be in that moment and it's hard to feel like you failed and it's hard to feel like you're damaging your kid. Yeah. And it's hard to forgive yourself. And yet that's exactly where you need to start is forgiving yourself because you have a lot that you have to work through Mm -hmm. and you are trying your best and you are doing your best. And that is the only thing that you can expect of yourself every single day yeah as for the second part of the question um if i had to just give them one thing (laughs) just one thing to take away is to realize that uh you're in a hard place right now And even without the pandemic, there are hard situations. Mm -hmm. 
and parenting is a challenge every single day and you're always going to be learning you're always going to be learning how to parent mm-hmm. you, you never become an expert parent yeah you're always learning so just allow yourself to learn every single day and to grow from that yeah I imagine parenting styles have also drastically changed during the pandemic. You may have been a helicopter parent before, and maybe mm-hmm. now you're not so much. Yeah. And, or who knows, right? Like, it, um, I, I, I imagine it changed for a lot of people, shifted for a lot of people. It did. It did. Not and then either. there's also... Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, I love that you know, what you just said, Margie, was um, it is like resetting the expectation. Mm -hmm. So you don't put that much pressure and you like just even the source of that original source of guilt or feeling the need to conform and all of that is to this idealized version of motherhood or of parenting. Mm -hmm. And you're resetting, you're letting our listeners know to like reset that expectation of it's going to be imperfect and emerging and evolving and growing. And it, there's no end, there's no like outcome or goal to reach other than keep learning. No, honestly, like the, I think the only goal that you can expect of yourself and even that is not really true is like (laughs) giving your kids what they need to survive a home food rest (laughs) Um, (laughs) and even that can change under any number of circumstances Um, so yeah so it's 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 you're constantly evolving as a parent you're constantly evolving evolving as a person your kids are constantly evolving there is evolving there's no there's no end to the change there's no end to the learning yeah and so so being adaptable and just you know trying as best as you can to go with the flow at any given moment Mm -hmm. is more important than trying to fit into a category Mm -hmm. uh, whether internally or externally imposed of what it means to be a good parent yeah totally yeah yeah so we will we're going to have a lightning round, but before we jump into that, <laughs> I want to, um, like, how do people find you, connect with you, follow your work? How mm-hmm. do people, um, where should people go? Um, so I have a website, um, which is human-empowered.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Margie Serrato. And um, yeah, I do, I do coaching um, of all different types, career coaching, uh, parenting relationships. So um, transitions uh, of, of any kind. Um, and yeah, so you can, you can reach me, send me an email at Margie at human empowered.com. And that is empowered with an ED at the end. And uh, yeah, any questions that you have, they're there. Uh, I also have some links for other podcasts that I've had uh, transitions cool. out of, you know, career transitions and things like that. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that is that is the best way to get get in touch with me. <laughs> cool. We'll definitely link um, your um, your website into our description as well. Um, so. 
let's get ready for that fire round. Lightning round. <laughs> lightning round. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I keep calling it lightning round, fire round. <laughs> it's it's it, all right? interchangeable. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so you know how this works. I ask you the question. First thing that comes to mind. Right. What are you afraid of? Well, <laughs> losing myself. <laughs> mm. Mm. What gets you up in the morning? Ooh, good question. Ah, oh, the opportunity to grow in any way that I can. Mm. Uh, fill in the blank. Freedom is? Oh, being fully me without apology. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm. That's a good that. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are you reading, listening to, or watching right now? Oh, okay. Started watching Bridgerton because I love. Oh yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, okay. I uh, just finished. Uh, so I'm, 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 I have the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown mm-hmm. uh, because it is all about shame and guilt, and I talk mm-hmm. about it a lot. So it it figures that I finally actually read something on the subject. Um, and let's see, listen, and I um, listen to, don't listen to really podcasts too much. I do a lot of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I just finished uh, listening to was um, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, which is on Money Mindset. Oh, and yeah. it is amazing. Oh, it yeah. Is, it is okay. It is, yes, money, money mindset. Oh, there's so much culture that we can talk about that. That there's just so much yeah. that, that I can talk about that on a, at a macro level. Um, yep. So those are the those that's, there. <laughs> that's the Nicole Lappin book, right? I could be wrong. Uh, that was like Denise oh. something oh, or other. Okay, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's something else very similar title. Okay. Um, and the last question. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Fuck. Yeah. Yes, okay. but like with a, with like really really <laughs> strong <laughs> intonation, really yeah. really like yes. Yeah. Some people yeah. use you know the word "fuck" all the time. Like, yeah. it, like you really have to say it with heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say it. it has to come from like the guttural. Like. Yes, exactly. So yes, I think I think "fuck" has been the the word of every guest. I have yeah. to ask the follow up yeah. question: What <laughs> is a non curse word, curse word you use. <laughs> oh, that one's good because with kids, you have to be like mm-hmm. really super like creative. Uh, I, <laughs> which one, which one did I use recently that I thought was funny? Um, I would say my favorite non curse word. Um, oh, goodness. Um, I, I use fudge sickles, but that, that one's not the, not, not the same. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Fudgesicles. That one's one that, the, that the, if I if it, if it slips, if the other one slips, I could pretend that I was saying that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't think of another one now. I know I use a couple a couple more, but of course you just asked me, so now I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> no of course. Yeah. We have to we have to change this question up a little because everyone says fuck. <laughs> yes. I think uh, it, there's I, like I, a universal agreement on fuck. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think I fuck think, is I the best. I think part of it too um, is um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it, it's so versatile of a word. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? It's uh, super versatile. 
It is. It is. Yeah. And so it just makes sense. I could, it could fit anywhere and yeah. it could be ra- yes. radical in any number of ways. <laughs> yeah. And it could be a noun. It could be a verb. It could be an adverb. Like it could be anything. Yes, exactly. You can have a whole sentence with just fuck and, you know, yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, well, so. thank you so much, Margie, for being here and for sharing your own experiences and sharing something that people are wanting to talk about, I'm sure. And, mm-hmm. um, and giving our listeners um, an outlet for that. And also um, and sharing for those of us who, for me, it feels like I have even deeper empathy um, for my colleagues that are parents. Like already I'm in awe and also like, I don't know how to help. And it, it's nice to like yeah. um, deepen my awareness Um, Mm -hmm. of what families and parents are experiencing so thank you for all of that absolutely um thank you so much for having me um and and yeah and like I said just just having the space to talk about shame and guilt that's coming up um around around motherhood um is really important again because we don't we don't have the space for that so I I really appreciate having that that moment to be able to share yeah thank you thank you Thanks for joining us on Unfolding Sharp Corners. We consider this a community space where we can learn together. If you want to share your insights, questions, or feedback, we invite you to click the link in the episode description. We're on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode. And follow us on Instagram at Unfolding Sharp Corners. Make sure to leave a review so we can continue to explore more corners with you. See you soon.